Hi, this is Monica Abbott, and I'm inviting you to be a part of the first annual MA14 Golf Tournament brought to you by Shields. We'll have golf, a silent auction, putting contests, and it all benefits scholarship opportunities for female athletes. Learn more at MonicaAbbott.com. The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Kyle behind the glass. Let's party, baby. Let's party. Kyle's got his party hat on. It's a Callaway. It's a, it's a gorgeous hat. It's a nice red, white, and blue Callaway hat with a rope. There's little rope golf hats. It's got a hang-loose symbol on it. It's beautiful. Taking several strokes off my game. Mm-hmm. Better with the price you paid. It's a gorgeous hat. And then I, he told me how much it was. I go, oh, my gosh. It's a great hat. That's one you, uh, you get as a gift, Kyle. That's a gift hat. It's a gift to myself. Smart man. Gift to yourself. All right. A lot of stuff coming your way. I had a chance to interview uh, Jamar Chase today. That was a very, very fun time. Uh, We'll probably play that entire clip tomorrow. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter and get some of the clips out today, you can. It's at HomestretchKC. It'll be played on Friday as I fill in for Seren Petro on the program. We'll get it played there in its entirety. But it was really fun to talk to Jamar Chase. Now, I had to take it from an NFL perspective. Guess what? Surprisingly, you can't just have on Jamar Chase and talk only about how the Chiefs beat him in the playoffs. Like, it ain't going to work. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, good dude. But you can tell there's a little bit of, I don't want to say disdain, but there's a legit rivalry between Kansas City and the Bengals. One of my favorite questions I asked was, who was in his NFL top five, right? That whole top five or top 100 came out. I said, who would you put? He said, got to go with this guy, Joe Burrow. He said him, and no surprise. He said Aaron Donald, three. I wouldn't say a surprise. He said Travis Kelsey, four. Not a surprise. Uh, maybe a surprise that he gave not only a tight end love, but a Kansas City Chief love right there. He goes, you know, Kelsey's the best tight end in football. I was like, okay, okay. And he goes, I guess I'll gas it up a little bit. I'll say, I'll say Pat. I'll say Pat. At number five. Number five. But what made me laugh was, I go, you got to give him some credit and give him some love for the whole Pat Who comment, right? He said, ain't no love. Ain't no love. I love it, man. He He understands how good Mahomes is. But there is that rival where you're like, you know what? I don't want to put him on my list. I don't want him there. This is my list. This this shouldn't be the Patrick Mahomes show. This is the Bengals show. But I, I got to give him credit. He he put Mahomes on that list. It has made me laugh. Yeah, that's he he earned some credibility with me because of course I know he doesn't want to put him there, but he still does. And put two Chiefs. To. Put two Chiefs. Two of them. Yeah. Right? That's pretty wild. 
quarterback and his tight end, and then Joe Burrow with his best wide receiver. So I thought it was very fun. Um, look out for that full interview coming tomorrow as well as Friday. It'll be on my Twitter account at some point. It's actually already live on Stacking the Box. If you go to YouTube, type in Stacking the Box podcast, you'll see uh, the full interview in its entirety. Again, good dude, man. I know when the Chiefs play the Bengals, my personal fandom will come out and say, beat the bleep out of the Bengals. But it's hard not to, when you talk to a guy, and they're a really nice guy, it's tough to be like, all right, man, I, I wish no, nothing bad for Jamar Chase. I just hope the Bengals lose to the Chiefs. All right. Getting into Tuesday, today's practice session up there at St. Joe, it was not ideal. Not ideal, to say the least. Nate Taylor of The Athletic reported that rookie Nico Remigio, and yes, it's Remigio. He tweeted it out. It's not Remigio, like it looks like it would be pronounced. It's Remigio. Uh, Nico Remigio had to be carted off the field after suffering an apparent upper body injury. Matt Derrick confirmed that fellow wide receivers Amir Smith-Marset and Justin Ross had to cut short the practice involvement due to injuries. Matt Derrick went on to report that Justin Ross and Amir Smith-Marset were transported back to the facility in the same cart. Justin Ross was occupying the front seat. And then about an hour later after that, Nate Taylor reported Amir Smith-Marset left to a groin injury and Justin Ross a left knee hamstring injury and then Nico Remigio was a dislocated left shoulder Ian Rappaport tweeted that Justin Ross's injury does not appear to be serious so if you're trying to hold your breath there you go it wasn't the foot injury from college it wasn't the spinal injury that plagued him sounds like it's something at least according to Ian Rappaport on the more minor side it's good news. Relatively. As good of news as bad news can be. I always feel bad for guys like Amir Smith-Marset, Justin Ross, Nico Remigio, dudes who are on the roster bubble. Now, you can take the glass half full approach and say, hey, is this an IR stash? Could this actually be a blessing in disguise? More so for the Chiefs and the player itself. Because from the Chiefs' perspective, you could say, hey, you know, if we put if we put Remigio on a practice squad, is, is another team taking a shot on him? Maybe. Maybe not. But that's a risk the Chiefs would have to take. Now, if he's placed on the IR, well, you don't have to deal with that. If you place him on the IR before August 30th, he can't come back in the regular season, but he's on your roster. So I find it fascinating how this plays out with both Amir Smith-Marset Nico Remigio, and to an extent, Justin Ross. Justin Ross, I think, actually had a legit shot and still does a legitimate chance of getting snaps and meaningful games for the Kansas City Chiefs. Nico Remigio and Amir Smith-Marset were uphill battles, more like practice squad guys. But this could be a stash option if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. In in another unfortunate update of injuries, Matt McMullen, who, by the way, love Matt McMullen. Just shout out to Matt. I went to high school with him, Blue Valley North. We're Blue Valley North Mustangs together. Also went to Mizzou together. He's a good dude. 
Really, really big fan of Matt McMullen. Good source for you. How about it's a that? great source for me. I, 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 act, I honestly though, I don't because I'm like, one, it's obvious. Two, the Chiefs don't let him. I, I can't. Right. I, I, I there, there, there's a line, you know. There's a line. I'm, I'm not getting my guy in trouble, but nice guy. So just wanted to say he's a good dude. Okay, we were in the same prom group together one year, and we we both got dinner somewhere. I don't even know where. We have we have a picture together. There we go. Um, but he announced, according to Andy Reid, Jody Fortson's season has come to an end due to that shoulder injury uh, resulting in his placement on the IR. According, again, to the NFL rules, players placed on the IR before August 30th at 3 p.m. Central Time are ineligible to return at any point this season. This... This potentially looks like the end of the road for Jody Fordson. It sucks, but at some point, when's it going to happen? And I said even before he was placed on the IR, I said at some point, you got to stop talking about potential. At some point, you have to stay healthy. Two of the past three seasons have, have ended in IR stints. Jody Fordson is 27 years old. We're not talking about a 23-year-old cat here. I'm, I feel bad, but if you can't count on the guy, it, it, it might be time to move on. And he is a, a good red zone threat. He made the phenomenal catch, the one where uh, Mahomes dropped in the bread basket. But again, if you can't stay healthy, in two times in the past three years, there's a season-ending injury. That's not availability. It's not. Yeah. This opens up the door for Matt Bushman, who I know a lot of Chiefs fans had their eyes set on making the roster potentially even last year. I think the wild card candidate is obviously Kendall Blanton, former Mizzou Tiger. He had that incredible game in the playoffs for the uh, the Rams. Remember the the Rams Super Bowl? That entire playoff, Kendall Blanton actually served a decent role, which was a very surprising uh, situation going on there. So Kendall Blanton's on the practice squad. Kendall Blanton actually played a little bit in the first preseason game. Actually didn't look good, but got to give credit to my Mizzou guy at least being out there. So with Jody Fortson now placed on the IR out for the year, is it Matt Bushman? Is it Kendall Blanton? Is it someone else? Right now, looks like Matt Bushman has the inside edge. We will be keeping you guys updated as we get them in regards to all of these players. Amir Smith-Marset, Justin Ross, uh, and obviously Nico Ramihio. Uh, the Chiefs did sign two defensive players today. Uh, they added a new cornerback. Uh, a cornerback. <laughs> I tried reading linebacker and cornerback at the same time. Cornerbacker. <laughs> it's a combo. It's a new thing. It's a new position. A new cornerback and a new linebacker. Okay, they added two guys. I'm going to butcher their names, and I feel so bad. Linebacker. Do you know how to pronounce this? I see you looking. I see you looking. I'm working it out right now. No, Kyle, this is all you, baby. You you have to go first. Fadukazi's his last name I'm going to go with. That's That's the easier one, okay? It makes a Lodicon... For, uh, was it Jacksonville? See me easy. I apologize, man. I, I've, uh, I'm not familiar with your game. 
Farakazi is his last name. You you pronounce his first and last name, Kyle. Olakuni Farukazi. I think we're right on with the last name. Farukazi. Olakunli. Probably. There's that L in there. That, that, oh, that is that an second, L. Yeah. O- no, I thought it was an Ola I. Olakunli. Okay, and then cornerback, Jerron Lowe. Thank you, thank you, Jerron Lowe, for helping me out here. Okay? I can get low. Unless it's Lau. Okay? And, uh, unless you're going to do that. But he's the cornerback, and the linebacker is the guy whose name that I cannot pronounce, and I feel bad. Uh, OF, baby. OF. That's what we're going with. Uh, Lowe actually was a journeyman corner who was born in Overland Park. Played at UTEP. Played one year at Liberty. He's bounced around from the Buccaneers and the Rams. Uh, but this is all have in a practice squad uh, role. He's not yet to play an official snap in the NFL. Um, Furukazi was a Rutgers star. Went undrafted a year ago. Uh, and he's been with the Bucks. Denver Broncos, and the Patriots. He appeared in two games last year. So a couple young guys, unknown guys. But at this point, with guys going down, well, might as well bring a couple guys in. They're both going to have uphill battles. But you saw Nick Jones. Nick Jones had a couple of fractured fingers, was the report, after the game. Now, you expect him to play through it to an extent. But getting more depth is not a bad thing. They've they've had a few guys in the secondary go down, and while yes, Lamar Jackson and, and, and um, I, why do the Chiefs have such hard names? The guy who made the interception, I'm sorry, Kalef. Hey, Lacey. That guy. Yeah. KH, baby. My, my dude, KH. <laughs> See, I'm glad I interviewed Jamar Chase today. I I, I can pronounce Jamar Chase. I had Will Anderson, Bryce Young. Those are names I can pronounce. I'm trying. I will learn. You know how long it took me to pronounce Giannis Antetokounmpo? Dirk Nowitzki? Okay? It's hard for me. Yeah, if you can get there. If you can get those guys. If I can get there, I can can get there. Put in in some reps and you'll be there. Nikola Jokic. It's the Jokic. You gotta get the, the the itch, like you got an itch, boob itch. See, I can get there. It takes time. So I apologize. I'm not there yet. How nervous are you, Kyle, about the injuries sustained today at training camp? You know, guys like Jody Fortson, that really is too bad. And you know, injured guys usually tend to stay injured. You know, Sammy Watkins is one of those guys. Uh, if Kadarius Tony, who many believe is the Chiefs' number one wide receiver, he's already often injured. Add in Justin Ross, who has a serious history injury history. The depth all of a sudden looking a little bit thinner. I'm not worried yet. I want to hear a little bit more clarity when Ian Rappaport, you know, said doesn't seem major. That gives me a little bit more, a uh, little more hope. I think seeing Rasheed Rice calmed me down a little bit. Now I'm not saying Rasheed Rice is going to go for a K this year, but I was a little nervous because 
you never know with the rookie wide receivers in an Andy Reid offense. He still probably won't see the field a ton, but I wanted to see what he could do when he was out there. I'm not saying all my questions are answered, but I am saying it, it left me feeling a little bit better. I also saw his impact on special teams. Again, this is why Justin Watson continues to be so important. Um, Justin Watson's been one of the most, I don't want to say hated, no, no one dislikes Justin Watson. But I feel like everyone's trying to put someone over him. I've done it myself. Yeah. I, I've said for for a while now, I love Justin Watson because if you think of it as a roller coaster, you have to be this this tall to ride, this high to ride. You have to be better than Justin Watson to see the field. Well, I think Richie James, Justin Ross, they may have been better. But what does Justin Watson have? Availability. He knows all three wide receiver spots. Great special teamer. And when did you see him play? He played the first team. That might tell you something. Yeah, And he's got experience in this system. Yeah. Um, that's why I like the signing. Even if he doesn't get a ton of snaps, he's your safety blanket. That's what it comes down to. He is the safety blanket that you know he knows what's going on. He's not a game changer. But he's a guy you can count on. It was why I was excited when MVS is back here. It was when I was excited when the Chiefs went and got Richie James. Because Richie James, to an extent, is a guy you, you can count on. Now, I know it's a small sample size, and if you're not familiar with his game, because I don't blame you for watching the end of the New York Giants season last year, that's fine. But he was basically wide receiver one on that Giants roster. Now, this, that was with Daniel Jones throwing him the ball. But you saw a glimpse of why I was so excited when the Chiefs brought him in. He gets open, gets separation, and he comes down with the ball when it's thrown his way. Not only did he have a bomb that he brought in, that 43-yarder, right? The Giants didn't use him that way because Daniel Jones on offense wasn't predicated on that. They used him a lot as a safety valve, those eight-yard routes. I know it wasn't Mahomes, but even Blaine Gabbert in this offense, they'll throw it deep, and he will bring it down. But you saw in the end zone, The first one. Gets separation, wide open, Gabbert missed him. But what did he do? Followed up with a touchdown, an incredible catch, where Gabbert tried to overthrow him again, and he was still able to not only bring it down, but stay inbounds. Richie James is the guy that you can count on. So, while yes, there are a lot of unknowns with Justin Ross, Amir Smith-Marset, and the injuries, and Nico uh, Remigio, and um, some of these injuries at the back end of the roster... You at least have three guys, in my opinion, you can count on. And then you add in the addition of Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice. Now, Sky Moore, I think, is a guy you can count on. When I say count on, I am not saying these guys are Devontae Adams. I'm not saying they're Tyreek Hill. I'm saying these are guys that, if you put out there, they will make plays. And they could easily all go for over 700-plus yards in a given season. 650. That's about... 40 yards a game, right? Is that, is, is, that, is that some math right there? 35 yards a game? A guy you can count on. I, I think you can count on those four guys. The rest is just gravy. I didn't have a chance to talk to you that much yesterday. I know I did a night show down there. We had three hours of, of radio, but it was uh, a lot of Matt Derrick, Daniel Harms, Todd Lebo. What were your thoughts, your main takeaways, from the Chiefs' first preseason game. 
on the defensive side, I'm re- really not ready to make any sort of judgments or statements until Chris Jones is back. Mm. I'm really not that worried about the secondary. I'm going to attribute that to Rust. I know Trent McDuffie had a couple plays made on him. I, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, we'll see next game if the secondary, you know, doesn't seem to make any improvements. Then I'll have a little bit of worry, you know, on my scale of one to ten. Right now, I'm, my worry is about a two or three. Yeah. The Chris Jones situation has just started to. It's it's been irritating, and. We understand what both sides want. And I, I'm not irritated in the way that Chris Jones wants his money. I get that. I'm not irritated in the way the Chiefs say we can make you the second highest paid defensive tackle and it's going to be $25 million. Not close to what he wants. I get that too. I get the politicking. What I don't get is Chris Jones on Twitter. I don't get him trying to rile fans up. I don't get it because it comes off, in my opinion, very high school. I don't know if you think I'm wrong here. I don't know if you have a different opinion. I don't know if you think this is a very old man take that I'm having right now. But he knows what he's doing. He knows he can get a rise out of the fans. And at some point, it's going to push you away. When he liked a tweet that says, I mean, if the Chiefs don't want Stone Cold Jones... He would look good wearing silver and black. I mean, is that his strategy to rile fans in anger towards the Chiefs organization? Maybe that's a sort of social media strategy. I think it was originally done to keep it in the forefront. To say, hey, look, I'm still here. I want this done. Right. I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. Don't forget about me. And I get that. From, from an agent standpoint, it's, it's a, hey, look, Chris Jones, everyone knows how valuable he is. But when you start doing stuff like that, you are going to irritate some people. When you are, are, are putting out photos, what was it, Jason Bay? Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Jason Bay was the old baseball player for the Pirates. Right. Yeah. Big Jason Bay fan. I'm not going to lie. Remember Jason Bay? You are good at Immaculate Grid, aren't Dude you? Dude <laughs> raked. Yes. Of course I remember Jason Bay. But, of course, that is going to leave a sour taste in your mouth when you're almost playing with emotions like that. I get it. To you, it's a game. You're trying to get as most money as possible. But to a lot of fans, I understand it's millionaires versus billionaires. But when you see 25 plus million dollars at some point, it almost all runs together and said, how much money do you need? Don't you want to win? Fans don't care about how much money you make. Fans care about rings. Fans care about hanging banners. At some point, I think players need to understand that. While, yes, fans will be on your side for the most part, they want you to get money. At the end of the day, they care way more about you being on the team and making an impact on how much you made at the end of the day. That's what I think some players need to understand. I'm not saying that they're not with you, that they don't want you to get paid, they just don't really care. They're not seeing that money. Fans don't see that money. Fans see what happens on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays. They see what happens on the field. They don't see the money. 
They spend money, spend good money. I I, I just I love Chris Jones. I hope he signs here. I, I thor- thoroughly hope he signs here. But I'm getting a little irritated with the antics. Yeah, because a lot of people thought it would be done by now. And I'm not just saying I'm blaming him. I mean, the Chiefs and him could be very far off. There was a large gap between Quinnen Williams and Aaron Donald. We know this. This is not news. But you still thought it would be done before this. He's losing a lot of money. Right. A lot, a lot of money. You can take it as a positive. He wouldn't be doing that unless they were semi-close. Right? He wouldn't continuously lose this much money if they were that far off. He would just say, let me out of here. Right. But I don't know 100% which way to look at this. It's politicking. Both sides are trying to pit each other against the other saying, hey, I'll be the second highest paid. And then Chris Jones saying, hey, look what I've done. Your defense is built around me. What happens if I'm not here? Because, again, I'm the first to admit, I think if the Chiefs have Chris Jones this year, they're a top five defense easily bordering top 10 without Chris Jones they're bottom 10 yeah as much as I love the young talent as much as I love the corners the linebackers in today's NFL the most important thing is the quarterback and affecting the quarterback the best way to affect the quarterback is to put pressure on him and bring him down that's what Chris Jones does Chris Jones was top three defensive player of the year last year the Chiefs are built around him as good as, as much as I like, Legereus Sneed, Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson. You know what makes him look better? When Chris Jones is, bull- is pushing his way up the middle and the QB doesn't have time, you don't have to hold as long back there. It's a two-way street. They do a great job in coverage. It also allows the quarterback to hold the football a little longer. It helps Chris Jones out. But I don't think anyone is getting that twisted. They know Chris Jones is the X factor, and this defense is built around him. The leverage comes from both sides. The Chiefs have leverage in the sense that he is under contract. You think he's going to sit out and miss out on 20-plus million this year? Yeah, he doesn't want to miss game checks. You're not missing game checks. And if the Chiefs wanted to play hardball, I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying they could say, hey, Chris, all right, if we're this far off, you're playing this year. You're under contract. You're not missing that money. We know that. You're going to take it. Not only that, we can franchise tag you. You want to be a free agent at the age of what? 31? I, both sides have leverage. Chris Jones has leverage because he's the best or second best in tier defensive tackle in football. Top three defensive player of the year last year. Defense built around him. The Chiefs have leverage saying, hey, you're in a contract, and we could franchise tag you. Where do they go? It remains to be seen. I will say, if you were Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I think it's also a two-way street of... They're on team-friendly deals. I understand a half-billion-dollar contract, how team-friendly can it be? You look at the average AAV, you look at all this stuff, I get the guarantees he has, I get the security he has over every other quarterback, I understand that. But he did it so it could be flexible. We know Travis Kelsey is vastly underpaid. Yeah. Nothing new. But why? Well, they wanted to leave money left over for other players. So you could either take it as, well, shouldn't Chris Jones do the same? 
Or you can take it as those two guys took pay cuts so you could pay players like Chris Jones. I will also point this out. You see Travis Kelsey on SNL. You see Mahomes on every other commercial. How often do you see Chris Jones hosting shows, doing all this stuff? He gets paid primarily through football. Travis Kelsey and Mahomes have other avenues of revenue streams. Right. I do think that's a, a somewhat under, under-talked about or undervalued aspect. When everyone always talks about Travis Kelsey and his his, his vastly underpaid, uh, you know, Mahomes and being underpaid, yeah, but they also have so many other revenue streams, yeah. it's okay. They're stars off the field, too. They are. And Chris Jones is in Kansas City, but not it, national. It's not national. I mean, hell, I'm not saying he can't. You look at Orlando Brown Jr., I've never seen a guy market himself better on major talk shows than him. Mm-hmm. Whatever your thoughts of him as a player, he clearly knows how to market himself. How often do you see him on ESPN? You don't even have to be the best player. Not even the best player at your position. Not even a top five player at your position. You can make it work. It's just, I don't know where they go from here. Both sides have leverage, and quite frankly, both sides don't. When do you panic? When do you say, hey, certain day, I know a lot of people like today, I know a lot of people had August 15th scheduled as the day. This was this day was circled as the day. When would you say, all right, if he's not here, I'm worried. If the possibility of missing week one against the Detroit Lions is talked about the week of that game, that's when I am, okay, What what the hell is going on here? I will say, as much as... We can make fun of the Lions. They had a top five offense last year. Yeah. And a lot of metrics. Points, should points yards. And if you look at DVOA, which takes um, a lot of the underlying analytics into account, it was the Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, Bengals, I believe. I want to say the Bengals were in there. And um, it was the Lions at five. I don't care if you want to rip on Jared Goff. I have. But he was damn good last year. That offense is electric. Dan Campbell, for all of his eccentric tendencies, clearly knows what he's doing as a head coach. That offense is good. I'm not saying they're going to beat Kansas City, but I'm saying without Chris Jones, that is a much, much tougher task. Take a quick break. Come back. Home stretch here. ESPN, Kansas City. Jam out, Kyle. What do you say? Tired. It's been been a long day already. It's been a great day. Been a long day. Interview interviewed Jamar Chase. Had a real estate closing. Yeah, I slang homes too, baby. On radio. Had a podcast. Already had a podcast. And mowed my lawn. Man. Yeah, baby. I am a machine. Half man, half machine. Which half? I don't. I don't know which ones. I don't know which one. I. The, it can't be my brain because I'm so bad at math. Like I. I would be the worst calculator. Okay. 
Again, the Jamar Chase interview will be uploaded later this evening. It'll be played tomorrow on this show as well as on Friday uh, as I'm filling in for Seren Petro on the program. So a lot of fun sitting down with him. Some videos, some clips being dropped already today. You can also check it out on Stacking the Box on YouTube. Let's get into some national NFL news here. Anthony Richardson, he is now the Colts' starting quarterback. Uh, I feel honestly pretty bad for Gardner Minshew because you know Gardner Minshew is like, all right, finally I can at least be a starter for a little bit. I can hold off. I can hold off a rookie quarterback who's a project for at least what half the season. It was one quarter. That was all it was. As Anthony Richardson now takes over for the Colts, I will say from the Colts' perspective. I think it's best-case scenario. One, that you trust him this much already, but two, even if Richardson is an absolute dumpster fire, congratulations, your roster's cheeks, dude. You, you now have a chance of getting the first overall draft pick. Maybe you get the number one overall draft pick, and what do you do? You get Caleb Williams. Or you trade that pick for a king's ransom. I actually like what the Colts are doing here. Your entire season is predicated on the growth and improvement of of Anthony Richardson. As much as I love Gardner Minshew, hell, look at my mustache. Okay, I love Gardner Minshew. It didn't make any sense. He is a good stopgap. He's a fine teacher or leader. Right at this point, he's a veteran backup quarterback. I like him in a pinch. But the Colts ain't going anywhere. Colts are a bad, bad team. Anthony Richardson, giving him the keys right now, makes some sense. Quite frankly, I'm a fan. Yeah. Let him struggle for a little bit. Josh Allen was the same way. Yeah. With a cannon of an arm. Anthony Richardson, you know, you've seen him throw the ball. Yeah. He jumps out of his hand. And again, I don't know what he's going to be. He, he might just be a really athletic quarterback with a great arm who never figures it out. You look at the numbers at Florida, it was not good. Right. But that's at Florida. Justin Herbert, no one knew what he was going to be at Oregon. He, no one knew if his game was going to translate to the NFL. I didn't think it would. It did. You can be surprised. Sometimes you get these raw projects with elite coaches or coaching staffs and trainers and evaluators. Give them some time. They can take off. So I actually like what the Colts are doing. First time I've said that in a while. All right. We talked about it briefly last night. Uh, I want to talk about it again right here. Brees Hall is now back off the PUP list. But that's not the only news going on in the Jets running back room. As Dalvin Cook is signed. We talked briefly how Aaron Rodgers gave back, what was it, close to $35 million. And they used part of that money to sign Dalvin Cook on an $8.5 million deal, one-year deal. I like this move. Now, if you're Brees Hall, you're not happy. Brees Hall was electric last year. And if, if he starts taking too many carries away from Brees Hall, then I wouldn't be happy either as far as a Jets fan. But you got to realize, he's coming off of a serious injury, Brees Hall is. He just got activated off the pup list. Yeah. You want to give him a full workload to start the season? You sure don't. As much as Dalvin Cook's efficiency has gone down over the past few seasons, I know he always has gotten that injury knock against him. He plays... He's banged up a lot, but yeah. he still plays. You look at some of the big plays he made last year, 
he was still electric, even if he wasn't the consistent, dominating self he was the years prior. He averaged 4.4 yards a carry last year. Dalvin Cook is no bum. I think this backfield in New York with the Jets is surprisingly really, really good. I guarantee, I don't want to say guarantee because that would be a lie, I would assume Aaron Rodgers giving back that much money had a say in who they signed with that money. I'm sure that he said, hey, give me Dalvin Cook. Again, Brees Hall might not be happy, but your your goal is not to make players happy all the time. Your goal is to win championships. You know who's happy? If Brees Hall is holding up a Lombardi. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but taking some of the pressure and the carries and the workload off of him, a young guy who's already injured, quite frankly, he should be thanking him. You know why? That might elongate and extend his career. I'm a fan of this move for the Jets. I'm not one that thinks running backs matter a lot, but it, Brees Hall, if he's one of those guys that do quote-unquote matter, Dalvin Cook might be at this point just on the other side. That's a damn good running back room. Not only that, Dalvin Cook can catch the ball. You've looked at his pass catching numbers. They've risen over the past few seasons. Yes, they have. His pass protection is not good. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Sugarcoat's a band who I love. Sugarcoat is the saying I was trying to uh, try to pronounce right there. He's not. He's not. That's not his calling card. But I'll tell you, man, the Jets are looking salty. I don't think they're in there with the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Bengals. But they're right there knocking on the door. I, I think they are above the Dolphins. I think they're above the Chargers. I think they're above the Jags. I know people like to make fun of Aaron Rodgers. Very easy to. I've done it myself a lot. He's won MVP two out of the past three years. I think he's closer. I think he's in between the MVP seasons in his year last year. I think he just basically said, I'm done. It seemed to me that Aaron Rodgers said, I'm done, man. This is bogus. I got a whole bunch of rookie wide receivers. We're going nowhere. I'm done. He was not a good leader last year. But he seems revitalized with his fresh start in New York. Yeah, he does not have to carry this team on his back. That Green Bay offense, the weapons, now Christian Watson, you know, has shown major flashes. But he's got a top three, top five defense. Easy top three, top five defense. I mean, mean, their defense is incredible. Yeah, They won seven games with Mike White and Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco last year. Right. He's got a hell of a roster around him. I've been a fan of their offseason wide receiver moves. I think Alan Lazard is one of the more underrated guys. And by the way, he's he went from Green Bay to uh, the Jets with him. Um, I know Elijah Moore is now gone, but they kept a lot, a lot of talent. They brought in McCole Hardman. Uh, their offensive line is much improved. Man, again, I think this Jets is a good team. I, I think if you are a if you're someone listening right now, I'm not saying the Jets are going to be better than the Chiefs, but I am saying watch out for them. That is one team that I'm, I'm thinking is going to be electric this year on both sides of the ball. Not only did he bring in Alan Lazard, he brought Randall Cobb with him too. That does not move the needle for me. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. I, I, I'm not, I can't get there. Okay, How old is Randall Cobb at this point? Randall Cobb is... 32. Randall Cobb is 32, and last year he put up 417 yards. Uh, year before that, 375. 
Year before that, 441. As long as Aaron Rodgers is in the league, Randall Cobb's got a job. He's got a job. Man, he has had one 1,000-yard receiving season. 1,287 yards. Great year. Incredible year. And that was when he was 24. I'm not I'm not ripping on Randall Cobb. Like he, He's a veteran guy, and he, he he's definitely a guy you can fill the back half of your roster. He, he does the little things well. Too, you know, what I'm talking just blocking, and he's a veteran guy. But I'm not going to say he's a uh, a game changer. Yeah. But again, maybe maybe if you're going to make the case that the Jets need to learn how to win, they need a veteran guy. They need a guy who's been there. Yeah, to talk to a guy like Garrett Wilson, yeah, Corey Davis. There you go. Uh, the other running back, Ezekiel Elliott, signed with the Patriots on a one-year deal. He signed for a $3 million base salary, $1 million signing bonus, worth up to $6 million in incentives, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Patriots have been on the forefront, if you will, of the running back by committee. This is nothing new. They traditionally split the early-down workload between backs. That's what they've done under Bill Belichick. Now, Ramadre Stevenson, I think, is way more talented. You saw what Ezekiel Elliott did last year. 3.9 yards per touch last season, which, guess what? That ranked 51 out of 51 running backs who had at least 100 touches. That was last. That was last. I mean, he was ineffective. But what I will say in defense of Ezekiel Elliott, People have different viewpoints. Some think it's skill. Some think it's luck. Some think it's just so much variance. But traditionally in his career, he's found ways to pick up short-yarded situations and find the end zone. 12 touchdowns last year. That's not nothing. If you're a fantasy football owner, I guarantee you're pissed if you have Ramadre Stevenson because you thought it was breakout central. Zeke might be a little vulture on the goal yeah, line. Goal line vulture, exactly. But Belichick doesn't care. We're not talking fantasy. We're talking from a team perspective. It might feel a little LeGarrette Blunt-esque. Maybe a little bit like Jamal Williams last year with the Lions. I don't think the Patriots are good. But I think this move is better than people are making it out to be. And I think the most underrated and under-talked about aspect of this move... Again, he's not an effective runner. He's a damn good pass protector. One of the best pass protecting backs in the NFL. If you need time, if you're still trying to figure out Mac Jones, what he is, if you're going to try and throw the ball deep, you're going to probably have your running back stay in and pass protect or at least chip. Zeke can do that. Their wide receivers are not good in New England. I don't know if you've heard much talk coming out of their camp. Um, stuff that I have seen has been very disheartening for them I've I don't want to say I've laughed but they cannot seem to find wide receivers anymore I mean it is abysmal the uh, inability to draft to find free agents or not wide receivers um, I've not heard anything positive necessarily even of Juju Smith-Schuster I've heard people say he looks old maybe the Chiefs knew what they were doing but I do think in the grand scheme of things this move is solid for New England which one of these guys moves the needle more for you? Which one helps their team more, Zeke or Dalvin Cook? I'm going to go with Dalvin, simply because I don't think the Patriots are going anywhere this year. I see them finishing last in that division. And Dalvin Cook, help out Brees Hall, you know, early parts of the season. He's a great uh, 
you know, weapon to pass to as well. Maybe not the best blocker, as you mentioned, but uh, I think he's a dynamic weapon that yeah. the Vikings let go, and frankly, I can't believe he was available for that long. What I find interesting is they're almost a complete opposite player. Right. They both have dwindled effective-wise over the past couple of seasons, but Dalvin Cook is still, I would say, explosive, while Zeke is strictly a short-yarded situation type of guy. You have Ezekiel Elliott, who's a damn good pass protector, and then you have Dalvin Cook, who uh, that is his weakness. It is a little interesting. You almost think, hey, those two guys on the same team would actually be the perfect pairing, yet they're not. Uh, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the Royals. What happened last night? Home stretch here, ESPN, Kansas City. Yeah, baby. That's a win. 39 and 81. They can still go 500, baby. Hey, it's still possible. I mean, technically, it's not going to happen. But uh, a man can dream because the Royals are actually playing some pretty darn fun baseball right now. Yeah, they're still not great, but they're fun. And that's what you have to have. I said it at the beginning of the year. Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong. You heard me ranting and raving many a time about the Royals. I said, you can be bad, but you can't be boring. You can't be boring and bad. You can, If you're good and boring, that's fine. If you are bad and fun to watch, that's okay. You can't be both. And at least right now, the Royals might be bad, but they're at least entertaining and fun to watch. Bobby Witt Jr., 4 for 5, inside the park home run. Don't look now, but an OPS over 800. Yeah, it's 810. Salvador Perez starting to hit bomb after bomb after bomb. Four ribbies last night. But you're looking at guys like Michael Massey do a little bit more. You're seeing Michael Garcia, how electric he is at third base, but starting to get a little bit more effective with the bat, looking at his average up to 288 on base of 334. You're seeing Darion Blanco, a backup guy, walk it off on a bunt. You're seeing Freddie Fermin absolutely rake OPS over 850. Drew Waters, Kyle Isabel starting to get in more on the action. Oh, and by the way, Brady Singer, don't look now, ERA under 5, 4.91. You might say, that's not good, Sterling. I know, but did you see where he was this year? He was consistently over 6 the majority of the year. He's finally turning it on. He was up near 9. Seven and a third innings yesterday. He he, he tired, okay? He, he had a no-hitter rocking for, what was it, six and a third? Seven and two-thirds. Lost it in the seventh of two outs. So six, six and two-thirds. Two thirds, thank you. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that one, Kyle. Six and two-thirds. He ended up going seven and a third, two runs, giving up eight strikeouts, one walk. And the bullpen, uh, that's what happens when you trade your bullpen pieces. It's a good thing. Right? You got Nelson Velasquez for freaking Jose Quas. Great thing. Nelson Velasquez already looks solid. You see the effortless power that he has in his bat. It's credible. Nelson Velasquez, very quickly, Velasquez, he barely swings the thing. It went 441 on an inside fastball. It, you it, can't even get your arms extended. But he got there. He is what you wanted Edward Olivares to be. Yeah. I don't want to say Jorge Soler because I think it's unfair because Soler has been consistently good now for the past, I don't know, eight years. 
Maybe that's I'm being too generous. Maybe it's been more like five. But I I think it's unfair to Jorge Soler. But I think the early returns of Nelson is what you thought you were getting with Edward Olivares. You got it for Jose Quas. Sign me the hell up. But yes, Barlow being gone, Chapman being gone, you saw Carlos Hernandez. You thought he was going to hopefully run away with the closer high leverage situation position. He has not. He's gotten absolutely shelled. He got shelled last night, two-thirds of an inning, two runs. Uh, Austin Cox, uh, two runs in a third of an inning. Uh, and then you had Nick Whitgren, who gave up uh, a couple hits and a walk, made things interesting, but was able to get away uh, with the win. Bullpen's buns. This team's not. I'm starting to get more intrigued about what it looks like next year, and maybe I'm getting too enthused by an end-of-the-season run by the Kansas City Royals. And I, I will fully admit I get that. But we didn't have any of this hope or joy earlier on in the year. I actually feel bad because they'd get even more airwave time, even more talk about if the Chiefs weren't so close. I mean, it's preseason football now. They just won the Super Bowl, the Chiefs did. Hey, sorry, you ain't competing with that when you're 39-81. and 81. Okay, you're just not. They had their opportunity early in the year when they were the only thing going on in Kansas City. Didn't happen. But I got to give credit where credit's due. They did not roll over. You're starting to see a roster legitimately come together. Okay, you're starting to see an actual team assembled. And I think part of it is Matt Quattraro is getting his fingerprints more on this. Some of the things that he did with the Rays, you're starting to see more here in Kansas City because now he has the tools. You can't tell a carpenter to get some work done and you don't give him anything. What's he going to do? He's going to stand there. Well, now you're giving Katara some tools. He's starting to get some work done. It's not going to be an overnight fix. We know it's going to take time. But it looks like you have the left side of your infield figured out. The huge part of this year was, is Bobby Witt Jr. A, going to stick at shortstop? And B, is he a superstar or just a good player? He looks like a superstar, and he's sticking at shortstop. But Michael Garcia looks like a leadoff hitter and your third baseman. Michael Massey looks like a guy who can face right-handed. He looks more like a platoon bat. And you might have traded for a guy. This bat was it? Uh, Devin Mann. Devin Mann, thank you. Crushes lefties. Devin Mann. Do you have a platoon bat at second base? A, a guy who also plays the outfield? Does he take over for MJ Melendez at times when you when he faces I'm intrigued by how this team is starting to get constructed. Freddie Fermin, is he your future catcher for the next at least four years? Is Salvador Perez now a first base, first base, DH, kind of catcher hybrid? You're starting to see this lineup come together. I am intrigued for the first time this year. This was the home stretch here, ESPN Kansas. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back live in studio tomorrow at 3 to 4 p.m. Until then, we are out.